Come on, Lift Church. Can we magnify the Lord in this moment right now? Can you just help me celebrate God today? Anybody know God has really been good all week long? Can you help me celebrate him? Amen. Listen, as you're going down to your seat, just tell your neighbor real quick, if it wasn't for you, I'd be the best looking person in this place. Listen, I am all the way from Baltimore, Maryland, and I am so glad to be with you on today. I honor your pastors, Pastor Drew and Lauren, for the amazing work. Can you honor your pastors today for the great work that Lift Church is doing? I am so excited for all that God has and is doing here. I honor my wife in her absence. She is not uh, back home um, taking care of our church. She is in Miami enjoying herself. And so she, she said, you go, and um, I'm going to go enjoy. And so when I talked to her last night, she seemed a little too happy um, about her freedom. And so uh, I just, I've been toggling with that all day. So uh, y'all pray for me because she's away and she's having too good of a time. But I'm so glad to be with Lift Church. I'm so glad to have the opportunity to be in the lives of your pastors and this family. And I believe that God has a work today. I want to tell you, if we're going to talk about goats, we don't need to go to basketball because we kind of saw how those finals ended right there. And uh, uh, I, I would say it would be uh, 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 Michael Jordan or LeBron. Do I have any Jordan fans in here? <laughs> Amen. Amen. I'm not sure you're on the right path with God. Um, uh, do I have any LeBron fans in the house? Okay, wait a minute. What kind of, okay, Pastor Drew, come back on up. Uh, I can't do this here. No, no, I am so grateful that we can operate and talk about who the goat is. But can I tell you, the true goat of understanding is knowing that we have to have faith, which the Bible lets us know in Hebrews 11 and 6, because without faith, it is what? Somebody say, it's impossible. It's impossible to please God. And so I, I'm excited to talk about this idea of faith. If you open up your Bible uh, at the mix in Baltimore, we say that note takers are world changers and that readers are leaders. And so if you get into the Bible, I believe it can be life changing. In Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to do verses 1 and 2. And then I want to jump to my person of faith that God has been pressing in my heart. And it defines in Hebrews chapter 11 verse one, what faith truly is. And I want to welcome those of you that are online. So glad you're with us and connected with us today. It says this, now, now faith is the assurance. Somebody say assurance. It's important, you know, it's an assurance. It's not a maybe, it's not a might, it's not a could possibly happen. Uh, faith is an assurance of things that are hoped for. It's the conviction of things that are not seen. I want to make sure that you understand the definition of what faith is because many of us are trying to have faith in things that we believe that we already see. But I want to let you know that your faith is being used for the things that you do not see. For it says, for by it, the people of old, and I don't know if they like being called that, but the people of old, the Bible says, received their commendation. But then it jumps because I, I wanted to talk about who within this hall of faith is one in whom we should talk about today. And, and I called Pastor Drew. I said, hey, who are you talking about? He said, well, who are you talking about? I said, no, I'm the guest pastor. You tell me first. Who are you going to talk on? And, and, and he began to share. And I said, well, I've got one that I think is important for us to understand. 
I wanted to go to verse 31. And in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 31, it speaks of the faith of a woman who in all honesty should not be numbered among those who are in this hall of faith. We understand Abraham, we understand Isaac, we, we understand Noah, we, we understand those who seem to qualify to be the heroes, the goats in the hall of faith, but there is something about when it seems like you don't qualify that you shouldn't line up with it. And, and I think verse 31 is one of those verses that, that puts us in a position to say maybe this was written wrong. But we see the scripture and it says this, it says, by faith, Rahab, the prostitute. Mm. Back in Joshua chapter 2, we know she's a prostitute. Can, can anyone kind of uh, uh, understand? By, by the time we get to Hebrews, don't you want people to stop calling you what you used to be? I mean, I think there's some space in between where I got my life together enough for you to be able to understand I'm not doing the same things that I used to do and I'm not acting the same way I used to act. So can you stop calling me about what I used to be? But sometimes you've got to remember where you come from because where you come from is a significant understanding of the testimony that you have about the goodness and the grace of God. For the Bible lets us know we are only saved by Christ. And it is not of yourself lest you should boast. So I want to remind you real quick, like, listen, this is one of those moments where, where you can get an attitude, but I want to tell you something, that your testimony is connected to you. So don't deny your testimony. It's speaking to the goodness and the grace of what God has done. I need to get you connected in. Yes, Rahab the prostitute. I want you to know Rahab the prostitute did not perish. Bible says with those who were what disobedient it wasn't saying because she was obedient it was saying she just didn't I want to let you know she was gathered amongst those that were disobedient and they perished and it said and she had given a friendly welcome to the spies they they wanted to give that's listen all she did was give a friendly welcome but the issue is we don't know why she gave a friendly welcome because the Bible says she was, she was a prostitute. We, we don't, we're not, we not sure. What we're giving is the benefit of doubt to the two spies. That when they got in, they were focused. But it says Rahab welcomed them. There's a possibility that in that good welcome, somebody got a little distracted. And it says all she did was welcome the men. And when we get to Joshua chapter 2, we'll find out a little bit more. But I want to come from the topic today, your grace for victory. I want to, I want to preach off of this, this ideology, this, this, this thought process that there's a possibility that you never actually qualified to be where you are. You never had the right net worth. You never had the right network. 
You just had grace over your life. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray in this moment that we would understand the grace that you have set over our life, that we are victorious in you, in Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. Amen. Uh, listen, I remember when I was I was coming out of high school and I was trying to figure out what's going to be the job for me. I don't know if anybody's ever been there before, but you uh, some people got it all together. They've got a vision board, a five year plan. They they can show you the poster that they did in, in high school. They can show you all the vision plans they had. They had a 10 plan. They had a five plan. They had a three year plan and, and they got it all together. But I don't know if y'all like me. I, I didn't have it all together. I was figuring it out as I went. I, I I was making the determination what I was going to be because there was a deadline that I had to meet. My whole life was determined on the deadline. It was all about if you don't get this application in and if you don't get these fees paid, don't worry about being anything because you're not going to make it in. So I remember getting it together and I was saying to myself, man, there's somewhere I want to be. There's somewhere I want to go. And, and I started looking at what paid the most. Anybody I know, no, don't put your hand up. Don't tell me you're at your job just because of the paycheck. But I started searching and started looking, and I said, well, I like computers, and I like programming. Maybe there's something I can do. And, and when I was opened up to the opportunity that Morgan had an engineering program, I started going in that direction. I said, I could probably do computer engineering. And through my grades and through actually doing math, you know, like liking it, I don't know why, but that's weird, but I liked math. I said to myself, this is probably a direction I could go in. I'll never forget. When I got in, they make you take an assessment test. Anybody ever been there with those assessment tests? In the assessment test, they sat us down in, in one of these kind of like rows, and they gave me the test. Now, here's the problem. I think I thought I knew more than I actually thought. And because I was in Algebra 2 and Algebra 3, but Algebra 2 and Algebra 3 a little bit different than, 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 than uh, you know, that, that college algebra. It was, it, was, it was that algebra that they no longer were using numbers. It was just all letters. I felt like I was adding Greek letters together, and we were co-signing and signing it. And I'll never forget taking the test and, and sitting there in the row, and I started to look at it. And I looked over at my friend to say, it was, it's, is there something wrong with my school? Because it looks like there's something I didn't learn. And I remember getting into the program and saying to myself, how will I qualify? How will I actually become? What it is that I don't see that I have the resources, the knowledge, or the ability to be able to become. And I even looked at myself and said, maybe I'm just not fit for what I see myself being. I'm not sure if you've ever been there, but there could be a past that you have that seems like it's not fit for you to become who God says you are. Listen, there. I don't know if you're like me, but God has given you a glimpse of a possibility of who you possibly could be and who you possibly could impact. And when you look at yourself and you look at your past, you weren't set up for it. Really, when you think about scripture, John 10 and 10 says the thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. And you think looking at your past life that the enemy has succeeded in making sure that nothing of who 
who God says you are is coming to pass. But Jesus said in the end of that comma, I come though that you might have life and have that life to the full. And you're crazy enough to believe that by faith God could do the impossible in your life. But I'm thinking through faith that the Bible lets us know that when God is moving and he's operating and he's working, there's something that he said that no eye has seen and that no ear has heard and that no mind has conceived the things that God has for those that love him. It's crazy to possibly think that God could use somebody like me. Can you just tell your neighbor real quick, God wants to use you? I think that even in the midst of your imperfections and minds, that everything that I feel is going against me to get to where I should be, God is going to work it out for your good. And even in the middle of it, you'll find yourself putting yourself in position saying, I don't deserve to be where I am. But God says, it's not about you ever deserving to be where I'm taking you. You were grace for victory. See, the issue is you were graced to do this. You were graced to be financially over what you're over because God entrusted you with it. You were graced to lead the company the way you're leading it. You were graced to be in the family that you are. You were graced to be the husband that married the wife, even though you know you got her on a good luck chance. Anybody know they upgrade it when they be looking over? They be like, Lord, I don't know how you did it, but I thank you. <laughs> but what we're understanding is, is that God has graced you for victory. We understand the enemy's trying to destroy. We understand that he's looking at your life as something to show the flaws of who you used to be. Because oftentimes the world and the enemy is trying to remind me of who I used to be. If you could be honest about who you used to be, I mean, if we could go back and talk to some of those college folk, if we could go back and talk to your roommate about who you used to be, you know you, the you that you don't want to talk about, the you that you put to the side, the you that you're like, please don't bring that up, the you when they call that nickname, you keep looking for it, hoping that nobody looks at you and knows that shouldn't, the you, the you that was sneaking out in the middle of the night acting like some kind of burglar, the you, the you that found yourself sobbing somewhere because you didn't even know what you look like the you that found yourself not believing the you that dealt with depression and anxiety all over and every day the you uh, that doesn't belong where you are but yet by the grace of God you've gotten to where you are the you that said I don't deserve it the you that said this is not for me but God says I always planned it for you your grace for victory your grace for victory not because of your network or your net worth your grace because God spoke it over your life. And today I believe that we have to position ourselves like we deserve it. Because a faith that does not believe that God can actually do what he says he will do will be a very stale and dormant faith. It will constantly rely on itself, its intellect, and its resources to be the ability in which it operates out of. But I am 
crazy enough to believe that lift church that somebody looked at their bank account this morning and still said I am wealthy I'm believing today that somebody looked at the circumstances and walked past the bills on their way to church but they said to themselves God's going to make a way somehow I believe that even in the middle of what you are unsure about that God is speaking something over your life that for some reason you're not fearful and you're not scared because the Bible says God has not given you the spirit of fear but of love and of power and of a sound mind for some reason you haven't told anybody but you haven't gone crazy yet you haven't said what's the problem but you haven't been complaining what because by faith you believe God is going to do the impossible and you're crazy enough to keep smiling even in the midst of your trauma because you know that the Bible tells us that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance produces character and character produces hope and there's a hope that's still on the inside of you like a Rahab, like a prostitute when somebody's trying to remind you of who you used to be. You say, and it doesn't matter what I used to be. It's all about who he says I am. And I'm believing that today, that God has something that he's whispered in your ear, whispered in your spirit. That's about who you are. The first thing I want to let you know is that as God is speaking, you must understand my victory is already determined. If you got that very easily, what you would understand is that you would walk into places where there are no's. You would walk into the bank and figure out, even though that they are saying uh, this is not going to work out, my victory is already determined. I'm just in, somebody say, I'm in process. Because if I believe I'm in process, then it means that I understand every failure is not the end. A no does not conclude the whole situation. But by faith, I begin to believe that if this one don't work out, there's another one on the way. I understand that my victory is already determined through Jesus Christ. What happens is when I understand my victory is already determined, what I understand is that oftentimes my plan can change from what I thought it was going to be. Here's what I want to tell you. I thought I was going to be an engineer, but when it got to the point in my life, I got sick and came on dialysis from kidney failure. I'll never forget, I was in a Walmart right before I was about to start school. I put my arm, because I was one of those curious people, I put my arm into the slot. And when the arm came down on me, the blood pressure said 190 over 145. I went to school and, and I tried to walk through it, but it was hard being on dialysis three days a week. It was hard feeling sick and tired, and it was hard walking through. And if you were like me and, and you knew that, hey, I've got a relationship with God, I begin to pray to God and ask the Lord, remove it, and God change it and move in my circumstances. But God said, I'm going to keep you in this process because there's something I'm making out of you. There's something I'm developing on the inside of you. I want to tell somebody, you feel it's too hard, but the Bible says, don't you quit right now. God shall never leave you, and he shall never forsake you. Six years, one kidney transplant, two heart surgeries, and God says, it's time for you to pastor. I said, well, I thought I was supposed to be a, an engineer. And many of us have locked our lives into a path that we created when we didn't understand what God was doing. And process 
and hardships have gotten you distracted because you believe there's no way God could use me in this moment the way that he's using me. But I'm here today to let you know if you could just pause and wait for a moment, you would understand that God is working in the quiet. You would understand why it seems like nothing is happening, everything is happening. Why it seems like nothing is working out, everything is working out. God is situating and putting it all together. The Bible lets us know in Psalms 139 that he has been knitting us together in our mother's womb before anything in ever happened. He says to us, you are what? So fearfully and wonderfully made. So the scripture says as, as he's working it out, the enemy is trying to confuse you. That the season you are in is the season you'll stay. But here's what I know about seasons. They change. Here's what I understand about a season. It doesn't always stay the same. And when I understand it, I understand that God is moving. So in 1 John chapter 5, verse 4, it says this. For everyone born of God is victorious. Just smile at your neighbor and say, you're victorious. everyone born of God is victorious and overcomes the world. It says, and this is the victory that has conquered and overcome the world. Our continuing, persistent, what? Faith in Jesus, the son of God. Just tell your neighbor, tap him real quick. Just tell him, don't, you can't give up. It's my persistent faith. It is my unwavering, don't let it go kind of faith. I promise you, I was going to quit Friday and walk away from it, but my persistent faith told me there's still something on the way. My persistent faith lets me know that I am already victorious through Jesus Christ. My persistent faith lets me know that I should not get discouraged too easily because God is already working it out on my behalf. I got to tell you, when I walk in there and I get on the Zoom call or I walk in the cubicle, I want to let you know it does doesn't look like what it will be. But you just got to hold in there. It says my persistent faith in Jesus, the son of God, is it's what's determining the outcome of where I am. My victory is already determined. So I need to start walking just a little bit confidently. Can any, anybody, you, you ever feel good when you just brought something new? Anybody ever been there before? I mean, you just know you look good. You ever been there? You just, you, I mean, you put that thing on, and you was like, my God. <laughs> Best creation I've ever seen. Never seen something so amazing. God just does what he does. He's amazing at how he does it. And you just look at yourself and say, God, I'm not sure I need to walk into the world. I could destroy it. <laughs> There's a confidence that comes when you know. There's an operating that comes when you know. There's a, there's a certain certainty about what's happening when you know. I need to tell you today, you need to know that your victory is already determined. Point number two, my faith demands a response. 
I mean, if I'm going to believe, then I'm expecting something to happen. Anybody ever been there before? Like, I have an expectation level that God is going to do what he said he can do. God cannot lie concerning his promises to me. That's one thing I know about God. God, you have got to fulfill your plan in my life. I don't care how desperate it looks. I don't care how messed up. I don't care what the doctors tell me. You have to fulfill the plan that you spoke over my life. It cannot be optional. It is not a possibility. It is a must. Now, many of us forget because we feel like God isn't responding the way that we want him to respond. But I'm just crazy enough to believe that God's will is already done in heaven and it's waiting to be manifested on earth. <laughs> Anybody ever want to look up sometimes? I mean, you could do it right now, but you ever want to look up because you're like, my blessing is up there. For you said, let thy will be done on earth as it is already declared where? In heaven. I have an expectation that God's got to release what he has for me. Now, I don't know if y'all crazy enough, but I'm crazy enough to do that. I'm crazy enough to wake up in the morning and say, is today the day? I need you to wake up tomorrow morning, and when you get up, I just need you to look out a window and go out your door, turn the alarm off real quick, and just make sure that you need to know God is today the day. I want to be ready. I want to be prepared. I want to be on my tippy toes because if today's the day, I'm liable to lose my mind. If you fulfill the will that you said over my life, I'm liable to go crazy. If you could change the set of circumstances that don't seem to be moving and have been stale for years to come, I might lose my mind. So I'm going to peek out the door and be in expectation. Today, God, is this the day that you're going to move like you said you would move? Because I believe my faith is going to demand a response. Lift Church, when, when, you, when you started, you didn't know that this time, this year, that you were about to be a part of a movement that God is about to do in Salisbury. You didn't know that you were going to build a 500-seat facility, which was going to go from one service to two services to three services to four services. And some of y'all like, I'm not doing it. You never knew that that seed that you were going to sow was going to erupt into your whole family. You didn't know that what you're sitting here doing right now, when that building opens, you've got some folk that you've been praying for, that you've been leaving God for, that you've been seeing God move on, that are going to walk into that building and tears are going to flow down your eyes because you're going to remember, you know what? My faith demands a response. I just, I believe it today. That God is going to fulfill the plan that he said he's going to fill. I'm just crazy enough to believe that the prayer that I was praying five years ago is still on the heart of God. I am praying and believing that what God is saying and doing in my life is not accidental. He is. Somebody say he's intentional. My God's intentional. Do you believe he's intentional? Do you believe that what he's doing in every step that you take, every time that you look forward, and every time it seems like a setback, God's just rearranging to make sure you can walk according to the path. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 17, verse 20, For I assure you, 
will solemnly say to you, if you have, somebody say living faith. Some of us, our faith is dead. It's unactivated. We, we've been going off of our knowledge and our bank and what we know and, who can, and the connections we know and who we know. But God is saying, I need you to have a living faith. I need you to wake that faith up for something you haven't seen before. I need you to tap that faith up. Y'all know how we do. There's some comfortable chairs in here. I almost caught myself falling asleep one time, and I was finding myself like, am I awoke? But here's the thing. Sometimes you need to tap something on. Just tap your neighbor real quick and say, are you awoke? Listen, you got to be awoke to be in expectation. You've got to be awoke to have living faith. It says you need living faith the size of a mustard seed, and you will say to this mountain. Anybody got a mountain in their life that they need? Anybody got something you can't see over at the moment? It doesn't look like it's possible, but there's a mountain. He said, I'm trying to let you know if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to here. And if it's the will of God, it will move and nothing, somebody say nothing. Listen, that first person, listen, I, I, I need you to connect with something that, somebody that believes it. Can you look at a neighbor real quick and just say nothing? No, that's not the neighbor. That's not the neighbor. That's not the neighbor. I want you to find a second choice. Look at your second choice and just say nothing. All right, no, no, no. No, Lift Church, this is not it. I want you to find your third choice and look at your third choice and say, I am sorry you're my third choice. But I want you to tell them nothing is impossible. That's the one. I should have came to you first. It says nothing will be impossible for you. And then the last point is that my desperation for what God is going to do in my life removes all barriers. The Bible says... That Rahab, after hiding the spies, said to her, said to them, I want you to assure me that you'll protect my family. I want you to assure me that everything connected to me, that everything that's a part of my life, that everything that's around me and beside me and everything that's connected, I don't care if they've got it all together. I want you to assure me that you will use me to save my family. They said this, I want to let you know that you've got to put that scarlet out to let us know where you are. And we promise you, nothing and no one will hurt you. The Bible lets us know in Joshua chapter 6 as they're going into Jericho. The Bible says as they march around the walls day after day after day, it says the walls came down. But can you imagine one part of the wall still being up. Can you imagine that one part, just that one part, that prostitute, that harlot, that one that nobody said was worthy, that one that everybody looked at and threw their head up and said, please, never hurt. Can you imagine one part of the wall being up because God promised you victory. God promised you you would make it. God promised you your family would make it. God promised you that you will see everything that shall come to pass. Can you imagine one part still being up and the rest of Israel looking like, why didn't that part come down? Because God's fulfilling his 
promise. It says she did not perish with all of those that were disobedient, but she welcomed those in. I'm here today to let you know you are already graced for victory. The Bible lets us know later on that Rahab is a part of the lineage of Jesus Christ. Some of you never understand how you got to where you are, but you were already set up for a grace victory. You don't even know it, but God's got a plan for your life. Bible says that's why you're seated in heavenly places. You don't know why you got, you don't deserve it. Your family was jacked up. I don't know how you got here. The way they talk to you, I can't believe your self-esteem is still intact, but by the grace of God, you are still standing right where you are. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 5 says this. Verse 6, it says, it says that I need you to trust in the Lord with all. Somebody say all. With all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. I know you think you know a lot. I know you Google a lot. You know everything off of Google is true. But it says if you, you just give a break off of Google, not lean to your own understanding. It says, in all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. If you've messed up the path, he will make it straight because he knows how to work all things out for the good. So stop worrying that you need everything that you think you need to be where God's called you to be because he has graced you for victory. I just want you to tell your neighbor real quick, just in case they don't know. You know, I'm I'm, I'm out here in Salisbury, so I want to make sure you talk to as many people as you know. But I just want you to tap your neighbor real quick and say, you are victorious. Not you will be. You are. You already are. You're just waiting for the manifestation of what God's going to do in your life. Can I get some victorious people in here to celebrate God? Come on, y'all victorious. Listen, come on. You know that God is working it out. You know that you're already in position. Come on, get excited because it's turning for your good. (laughs) Father, in the name of Jesus, we never knew this is what you had set for us. But today we declare that we have been graced for victory. So we acknowledge in this moment that it doesn't matter what the enemy throws at us. We shall overcome this by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. There's a testimony for what you have for our lives. We love you. We honor Jesus name. Somebody say amen in this place. Listen, real quick. I want to offer you this moment. This is your moment. This is this is an opportunity for you to know who God is. I believe that some people in here, we just need a fresh start. And you're in this place and you're like, listen, I've lost hope, but I'm regaining my faith again. 
and I'm believing God for the impossible. So if that is you and you're ready for a first start or you're in here and you say, you know what? I've walked away from church. I walked away from God and I positioned myself because I didn't think God even cared. I want to let you know today is the moment. Now is the time. If you're ready for a fresh start to give your heart to Jesus, on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. And, 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 and this is not about a moment for me. This is about a moment for you and God. I want you to be able to celebrate what God is doing. So if you're in this place doing that, if you're online, type in the comment section, do something, put up an emoji, cry and face something. Let us know that this moment is about you and God. Y'all ready? On the count of three. Ready? One, two, three. Let me see your hands in the building. I see you. I see you. I see you. I see you. You can put your hand down. I want to lead you in a prayer, and the prayer doesn't save you. It's actually the posture of your heart. So posture your heart and repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I need you. Thank you for accepting me just as I am. Forgive me for my sins. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. And I commit to putting you first in my life. Take control of the throne of my life and make me who you want me to be in Jesus name can somebody say amen come on help me celebrate God in this place God bless you Lift Church